Welcome to the Solo Women RV Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and advice from solo women RVers, van lifers, and campers who are making their travel dreams come true. Whether you're just getting started in solo travel or are a seasoned expert, this show is for you. Join us. Just because you're solo doesn't mean you're alone. Here's your host, Kathy Belch. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode number 64. This is actually our last episode of 2022. So happy new year to everyone. Um, My guest this week is Catherine Zhu, who is a travel writer and blogger from the Nomadicated website. And Catherine actually spent a bit of time living in a van, and that's what she's here to talk to us about today. Um, It was actually a fight with a roommate that pushed her into van life. She'd been seriously considering the lifestyle since she first met someone who was living and traveling in a van. And then this roommate disagreement was just the impetus that she needed to take the steps to get out of that living situation where she was unhappy and spending a lot of money and to take the steps that she needed to go live in a van full time. And she bought the van, built it out herself, and continued to work her regular nine to five job while traveling and living in that van. So on this episode, Catherine comes on to share her story about how she got into van life, how she built it out, the lessons she learned, and why eventually she gave up van life even though she is still traveling full time. Let's listen in. Well, hello, Catherine. Hello, hello. Today, my guest is Catherine Zhu. Catherine is a van lifer, a digital nomad, and a travel blogger, currently in Thailand, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, I am uh, now doing a very large non-van life traveling tour as well. (laughs) Yeah, but we did connect over your van life stuff, so I definitely want to talk to you a little bit about that. So Do you want to just kind of start a little bit and tell us how you got into van life in the first place when you started and what was your impetus for getting involved? Yeah, sure. So um, having grown up on the East Coast and going to school in the Midwest, I actually had never heard of van life until 2019. Um, I was driving home from college and I stopped at my first national park ever which is quite embarrassing because I was 22 years old uh, at the Great Spooky Mountains and I met my first van lifer um I never she gave me a tour and everything I never thought that I would be van lifing within a year okay um, and so I moved out to California pretty shortly after and three months into where I was living I had a fight with my roommate and so I was with a friend on a beach where we actually stayed overnight at that beach because my roommate had kicked us out. Oh god! Um, and I was like, all right, I need to find a new living situation. And randomly van life came into my head and I was like, oh my God, I think I'm going to do it. And within two months I had a van. <laughs> wow. Awesome. So where did you find your van and did, was it built out or did you build it yourself? So I wanted to do my own build. Um, I have zero construction skills, but I am definitely very open to learning um, new skills. 
So I did want to, you know, do my own thing. At first, I was just thinking, okay, I'm going to try to do the cheapest way ever. I went on Facebook, Craigslist, the usual places like uh, marketplaces. I definitely wanted something stealth as well. It actually took me two months to find a high top 2003 Ford Econo line high top, you know, like the ones that you see for construction and everything. Um, It was a hospital. It was like a medical transport van, actually. It it looked very nice inside. It was well-maintained. Yeah, (laughs) that's how I got my first van. (laughs) Oh, so it was a, what'd you say, 2003 Ford Econo line? Yeah. Yeah. Man. High top extended. It was perfect. It even had like this nice speaker system with this navigation put in. Um, the floors were already done. Uh, yeah, it was really beautiful when I first got it. And I went through a lot of not great choices um, to look through first. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean you went through some not great choices? I know nothing about cars. Okay. Um, So I remember the first time I went to go see a van, I literally brought a friend who I knew was a used car salesman because I didn't even know what I was looking for. Um, So he had helped me. And actually, I met one of my best friends when I was looking at a van um, and he happened to be a mechanic. So it it was perfect. He would actually join me on the rest of the van on the van watching sprees. Uh, But yeah, at some point, I actually bought a van for a thousand dollars exchanged money and everything and on the drive home my friend calls me and he's like hey the transmission is it's not gonna make it back and he actually turned around and the guy was willing to to exchange it back for the cash even the title had literally already been written in yeah wow Wow. So you did luck out in that sense. Well, that's not the van you ended up with. That's not the one I ended up with. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So you you had a few ups and downs in your search for the van. Then when you actually got it, you built it out yourself? I built it out myself. Um, Of course. So the mechanic friend helped me at first a lot. He, of course, has a shop, bunch of power tools that I don't have. Um, so definitely the breaking down of the insides, I used a lot of the tools that he had at his disposal. Um, the building it up was mostly me. Um, occasionally friends, um, would come on the weekends and like help out and then we would all have like a big dinner at the end. It was actually very fun. So I got my van at the end of February and I moved in, like my rent was finished end of April. So I had two months, um, perfect. Okay. It was lockdown, so it was perfect. I had every day to go to Home Depot um, after work and work on it. There was nothing else to do. (laughs) So this was during 2020? Yes, this was 2020. Okay. So you you started van life during the pandemic? I did. It was completely by coincidence. Um, Originally, I was thinking, "Mm," like, uh, because I had to go into office. I could not imagine myself doing van life for more than six months living in LA. Um, And that shortly changed because I ended up being in the van for almost two years. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's a great story. So you were originally planning to live in it, live in LA and go into the office for work. Yeah. And then I'm assuming your job became remote. Yes. Ah, Yeah. Okay. And 
very different than um, I am now. Like I'm a digital, you know, content creator and, you know, of course can work my own hours. But at the time I was doing corporate consulting and it was very much a nine to five job. Um, sometimes even extended hours because a lot of my clients were international. So it was hard on the road because I did need a lot of service. And um, I mean, that was the main thing. Internet was just a very stressful like day in and day out thing because I still wanted to do so much, you know, and yeah. America turns out doesn't have great service in a lot of places. <laughs> so I want to hear about your work situation and all that. But first, let's finish talking about your build out. Why don't you okay. tell us a little bit about what you chose to put in and what you chose to exclude with your build out? Yeah, sure. So I did everything pretty low budget, I would say. Um, at the end, everything all included cost around $8,500, including the, the cost of the car. And I basically, I did do almost everything from Home Depot, but a ton of research. I, for my fridge, this was probably my most proud purchases, but I got this like dual 12 volt, uh, you know, like freezer like those box ones you know but it has the two the two sides which is really dope um we made the bed frame entirely just out of like wood and it does do this whole like couch it turns into a bed and a couch at the same time and then all the furniture I got from Ikea um there was a sink uh countertop and then on the other side there was like a bedside dresser Um, And then, of course, I put in like cool LED lights. I had normal LED lights and then also some like mood lighting, you know, the ones that have like 100 different lighting colors, Um, max air fan and then 300. uh, So three solar panel, which equal to 300 watts um, into this like goal zero big battery pack. That was the one thing I was scared of doing electricity because people told me I could legitimately start fires and I know nothing about electricity. Yeah. Yeah. So I did buy this like... uh, contained box let's say you have like ac uh ac converter usb ports and everything already yeah did you put that in or did you have someone install that for you nope i did everything myself with youtube (laughs) wow that's fantastic (laughs) all right and and then so you lived in that for two years yeah And I would definitely say um, I had to take breaks from it. Um, Van life, if anyone's done van life before, you definitely feel burnt out from van life. It is a small space and it does get very lonely. So I was very fortunate. I had a good group of digital nomad friends. So every couple of months, we would actually do a trip together. Um, Our first one ever was actually being in Salt Lake for a couple of weeks So that was a good time to like basically rest in an Airbnb. We still had the van, so it was great. I could transport five people with me and snowboards. And then we also did some Mexico trips. Basically every few months I would like take a break just to kind of reset. And then you come back and you just feel like, ah, like I'm back at home. Yeah. So when you say you take a break, you meant you got, you took, you rented an Airbnb or something like that. Yeah. Or travel internationally or travel somewhere. Um, Yeah. It was COVID, so it was quite limited in where we could go, but um, we did do Mexico two times. Um, I had a friend in San Francisco I would go to, uh, you know, at least for like a week or so just to, you know, just to get back in the city and feel what civilization is like once in a while. (laughs) Yeah. So I kind of want to hear about your, when you started out and you were 
trying to live van life in the city in LA. How did you deal with that? Where did you stay? How did you find places to park? And where did you find places to work? Yeah, so I would actually say um, how I was talking about burnt out, um, staying in LA was definitely the most burnt out I had felt. And I had stayed there. Um, so I moved officially into the van in May. And I stayed in LA until August. And it's definitely tiring. I probably the hardest part is not having a proper bathroom. Okay. Um, what did you have for a bathroom? So I had a little camp toilet, but I almost never used it because I really didn't like cleaning it out. Mm. Um, it's definitely not the most pleasant part <laughs> of been living. Um, I was very lucky. I had a friend at the time who lived in my old apartment. And so I would actually do like half, half apartment stay and half in the van life. I actually parked the van right behind the, my old apartment. Okay. Um, it was maybe a 30 second walk away. And it is very rare in LA to have like, um, like not too many strict rules on parking. Um, but I was this, this street just happened to have very wide parking. It was right in front of a, can you believe it? A farm in the middle of West LA. And so they had like really large bamboo hedges. Almost nobody went there. It was very clean. Yeah. And I, I mainly stayed there. Work-wise, I didn't have a problem because, you know, there was internet. Um, but it was mainly just like I felt stuck being in such a small place in the city and feeling like I needed to stealth all the time. Right. So did you sleep and work in the same location? Yeah. Yeah, I would. Okay. I would do weekend trips. Um, in the beginning, it was mostly like those first three months, it was mostly like weekend trips. And then I would come back and once in a while, I would stay at my old apartment as well. Yeah. Okay. Just so that I was friends with them. <laughs> so what was your work setup? What was your literal like desk setup? And then tell us a bit about what equipment you had to get connected. Yeah, sure. So um, I basically just needed a laptop to work. Um, I had two options. One was my couch bed setup, um, but I did find that it does get a bit uncomfortable if you stay there for long periods of time. So I actually didn't use it as much as I thought I would. My typical um, in the city setup would be I would stand in front of my counter and then I would do like a standing desk setup, uh, setup for most of the day. Um, if I was out in nature, then it was way better. I had lawn chairs. I would just go outside, um, hide in the shade of the van, and then I would just be outside all day. <laughs> okay. You didn't do the yeah. um, that stereotypical sitting on the beach chair Pretty much. on the beach with a Corona next to you and your laptop in your lap. Did you do that? Yes. Yeah, so actually, it was a very popular place, beach north of L.A., or Malibu. Around Malibu, there are some really wide beaches with great places to park your van uh, throughout the day. And so I would actually bring friends and we would digital nomad throughout the day in front of the beach with our lawn chairs. And then for breaks, we would just go and swim in the ocean. We would bring oh, my friend's dog even. It, it was a great time. <laughs> That's cool. Wow. So you, you talk about this group of friends you had, these other digital nomads. Where did you make your connections for your other digital nomad friends? It was a group of five of us that were very, you know, tight. They really were just kind of friends from, um, from living, I guess, like ha two of them were coworkers 
and another was just my best friend from LA and um, another another person from uh, San Francisco. Yeah, and we just happened to keep meeting up every couple of months. So they were um, all in vans as well? No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, okay. They were they just- basically would join me. Um, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, this was one great part, actually. Like uh, many times I did have friends join me in the van while I was van lifing. Um, actually, one friend came um, and brought his two cats. So at some point I had two cats and two humans inside the van as well. Oh, fun. Yeah. Do you know I, I travel with a cat? Oh, you do? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's kind of scary though, because before we leave and before we come in, we I always check, hey, are they still there? One, two. I definitely did have a problem with the cat scratching on the back of the on the back of the passenger driver. So you traveled solo, no pets normally when you didn't have friends? Yeah. Um, I did keep a basil pet plant for about a year. Um, that was very random. We had pasta one day and we bought a basil plant and he just didn't die. So I, I kept him for a very long time. Um, and sadly he met his end when, uh, there was a very big cold spell. Oh. And actually last week I was trying to, I, I even slept with him under the covers. I put him in a box and put him under the covers, wow. but he, he, he didn't survive the cold. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's the first I've heard of someone traveling with a basil plant. <laughs> yeah. we, we actually even made an Instagram for him. Oh, <laughs> that's great. Awesome. How long was basil with you? Almost a year. Yeah. Wow. I know. Yeah, it's kind of shocking. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so you mentioned the difficulty with staying connected to the internet when you were traveling. So what what were your solutions? What worked and what didn't work? So at first I bought a Wi-Fi router. Um, you can buy a SIM card and plug it into this router and it'll turn it into Wi-Fi. Um, at some point, so first of all, it is not the most stable Wi-Fi in the first place, but it does work. Um, at some point that machine broke and I just resorted to hotspot. And to be honest, hotspot turned out to be a lot better of a solution than even that Wi-Fi router. Um, you I mean hotspot on your phone? Yes, hotspotting from my phone. Um, AT&T works great. I've never used Verizon, so I'm not exactly sure. But like at some point, the friend with the with the cats had T-Mobile, and we realized that T-Mobile outside of small towns just does not work. Mm. He would use my hotspot, and of course, like being so much bandwidth. I think that's one other thing. Like you really need to have like unlimited, unlimited data as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the, um, nat- the nature of your work, were you doing video calls and that kind of stuff? Or were you just working online? What was? So I was in consulting and yeah, there was a lot of meetings. Like sometimes I would have maybe four to six hours of meetings per day. Um, so it was a lot of time on the computer screen. And that is one other thing that was um, difficult was managing um, battery levels. In the summer, it was typically okay, um, but probably my biggest regret is not getting a bigger battery storage because laptops take an incredible amount of energy to charge. Um, and then if you have two people and winter time or rain or anything, even overcast, I mean, within two days, your battery storage is going to be done. Um, the first thing to go was definitely the, ba- uh, the refrigerator 
Um, so I would constantly have to worry about like, oh, let me just eat everything I have. Okay. And then, so you just pretty much stay connected via your, your phone. So you had to mm-hmm. make sure you were in places where there was good cell service. Yeah. So I mainly stealth camp, um, probably 90% of the time. And there's a website called freecampsites.com, which is a very popular place. It's uh, like a website for user-generated, you know, free places to stay. And there's actually a feature on there that will tell you, like people will report if they have cell phone service or not. So that is probably the first thing I check before I go to, like, before I find a place to stay, like, is there cell phone service? One time I really messed up was in Yellowstone. Uh, Turns out in Yellowstone, huge, huge national park, um, there is almost no cell phone service at all. Um, I was there for four days and not knowing this, uh, there was one night that I drove overnight and there was nothing for over 150 miles. And every day I would drive maybe 50 to hundred miles out of my way because I needed to leave the park and come in every day. Oh no. I know. Going to yellow. You should definitely go to Yellowstone when you have days off anyway, because it's, there's so much to do and see there. There's so much to do. That's probably one of my favorite parks. Yeah. Definitely go to Yellowstone. <laughs> yeah. That's one of my favorite parks as well. Um, so how, what about like, you talked about going to Yellowstone and having to drive. I've been in that situation myself where having to drive out, you know, not hours, but a long ways in order to just get service. How, like, how was your productivity on the road? And I know you don't work there anymore, so you can be honest. I would say uh, that is very true. Um, some days were definitely lacking. Um, I would say in general, it was a nine to five, but because it was so meeting and client based, it was very flexible. Like you could choose when you wanted to put your meetings. Um, there were days like the days in Yellowstone where, you know, things come up and you just have to leave in a hurry. Like, I think the one great thing about like probably the best thing about van lifeing is you or in traveling in general is you never know what's going to happen in your day like um when you're at home having your routine like usually you know you know what's going to happen but in van life seriously um you know you just never know and probably this kind of touches on safety as well but probably one of the craziest stories that has happened um on the road was We were in a small town in Colorado and didn't really know that it was uh, not a great area, but we got this really aggressive knock. This was at the time with uh, my friend with the cats. So he actually opened the door. I was on my meeting um, and I was leading the call actually. And my friend turns around and he's like, we need to go. Like we need to go right now. And so I just have to literally tell the people on my meeting Hey, I'm sorry. Um, something something urgent really came up. I'm so sorry, but can we reschedule this for a later time? Had to get off the meeting, and turns out there was the guy who had aggressively knocked on the door came over with a loaded shotgun, telling us to get off of this empty lot. It was it wasn't there were no houses around, but he had just come out of nowhere, and we just booked it out of this town. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was probably the scariest and only really bad thing that has happened. (laughs) Yeah, and and thankfully you had a friend with you at that time. Agreed, agreed, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, 
Uh, so you say when you stealth camped, were you primarily camping in cities or were you going off into BLM and forest service land as well? I would say mostly nature. I try not to camp in cities that much. I definitely prefer the nature. I love the desert and I like just having the freedom of laying your stuff out, cooking outside, you know, like taking your merry time. Definitely. Like I have stayed overnights in cities, but it's typically not more than one or two nights. And even then it's usually, you know, the typical places, Walmart parking lots, Planet Fitnesses are great because it's 24 hours, casinos, Applebee's. Those are the usual spots, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so let's I talk now it. a little bit about your travels. So you started in Southern California. Where did mm-hmm. you like, and you did this for two years. So where did you go? Where were your, some of your adventures? I did very intense road trips. Um, so after the first couple of months in LA, my first foray into long-term road tripping, which before this, I had never gone for more than maybe five to five to seven days, um, was six weeks um, up along the or um, the coast up to Seattle and then back down inland from California or yeah, inland um, from the West Coast. Nice. The second one was probably all in all like five months and that's just like time on the road. And then in between, I would intersperse a little bit. Um, we, you know, stopped in the Salt Lake City. I went to Mexico for a while. Um, but all in all, yeah, five months from LA to Arizona, up the Rockies into Montana, and then back into Seattle and came back down. Nice. Um, yeah, that started in January, I want to say. And I didn't come back until summertime. Fantastic. Yeah. And then the final one was the Southwest road trip. So, cause this was winter time, I chose to run along the South from LA over to Houston was my furthest point and then came back over to LA. And this one was also about eight weeks. Okay. Um, yeah. Cool. Did you yeah. have issues with, with, um, staying warm or staying cool in your van, especially during the work days? Uh, staying cool was not as much of a problem. Um, there were definitely like, I definitely followed the seasons. So if it was winter time, I really hugged the South. Um, and uh, only in the summer times would I, would I even attempt to go up North? Um, but definitely there were some like weird, you know, natural disaster or, you know, cold fronts that had come, um, probably the worst one. And this is one where I actually ended up couch surfing, um, which I don't know if you know couch surfing, but it's basically Airbnb for travelers for free. Um, and this was from, I think, Amarillo, Texas to Santa Fe. And I knew there was going to be a huge blizzard coming in. I think this was February of this year. And I did not want to be stuck in this tiny Texas town. So I found a couch surfer in Santa Fe, but it was four hours away and it was already late at night. And I was like, oh, it's okay. If I wake up early in the morning, the snow will not have started yet. And I woke up in the morning and the snow was already, was already like really bad. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to drive this four hours. And it was terrible. Um, I slid maybe for like a 20 second period and the hairs on my neck were just freaking out. There were so many car accidents. We were stuck in traffic for maybe like a hundred miles. Oh no. Um, Yeah. It it was brutal. Um, But this cold spell was like 
negative 10 Fahrenheit or so, like in Santa Fe. Wow. Um, I had seven gallon jug of water that was completely frozen. Like I had a watermelon. You could have dropped it on the ground and it would have shattered. It was that bad. Wow. Usually I just kind of suck it up. I wear all my clothes and I have a heated blanket. That is the the best, the best heating thing you you could have, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you I'm assuming you eventually made it safely to your couch surfing place or did you pull off? And- I did. No, no, I ended up because it in my opinion, like negative 10 was like, oh, you're touching kind of dangerous cold territory. Oh yeah. I meant did you pull <laughs> off and get a hotel? <laughs> oh, that too. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, that I guess that could have been an option as well. <laughs> I did end up making it to the couch surfer. The cold front lasted a bit longer than I thought. So I actually ended up staying for maybe like four or five days. Okay. Um, a lot longer than I thought it would be. <laughs> wow. Well, Santa Fe is a beautiful place. I don't know how it is when it's cold out though. Yeah, we still did a hike uh, at some point, a very, very cold hike. It is beautiful. Uh, it's actually quite nice snowy as well. I bet uh, it is. I bet it's beautiful snowy. Yes, I had one other um, fun tidbit about, uh, I guess, like hobbies on the road. I randomly picked up kayaking. Um, I saw an Instagram ad on it's it's a foldable kayak called Oru Kayak. I don't know. Oh yeah, I've of- seen those. I've never seen one in real life, but the ads definitely. So I didn't have space on my van to, so at some point, like I had a snowboard on my van. Um, I actually managed to put it on the ceiling. So for that first, the long, the five month trip, one of the biggest reasons was also I was chasing ski resorts. So I got something called the Icon Pass, which gives you access to around 45 ski resorts in the world. And most of them are on the West Coast. And I would just go from ski resort to ski resort. And then once the ski season finished, I actually had bought in a Oro kayak. I spent six months looking for a used one. And I would just find rivers, research them, because I cannot do whitewater rafting. I know nothing about kayaking. Um, I would actually park my van at the bottom access, uh, hitchhike to the top, and then kayak down back to my van. <laughs> oh, how fun. Yeah. So if I very much was into like um, hobbies, uh, I guess like sports activities as well while I was on the road. Yeah. You got to have something like that because mm-hmm. you're out in nature. You, you've got to get out there and enjoy it for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so when yeah. you were snowboarding, where were you, were you staying at the ski resorts in their parking lots? Um, I would typically go in stealth camp actually. So I would find a spot Um, and then I would drive to the ski resorts in the morning and then go skiing and then come back and then find another spot or find the same spot. The problem of course is it is very cold usually. Um, so I kind of have like a temperature where like, you know, if it's below 20 or so, I'll be like, I'll just get a place. Okay. Yeah. That's usually my cutoff. Like, (laughs) Yeah, it's nice to have the resources to be able to do that because you're working full time and you have a job and when you mm-hmm. need to, you can get a hotel exactly. or whatever. So I'm curious exactly. if you had any breakdowns on your trip. So I didn't have anything too terrible. Um, there were a couple of times where uh, the van would overheat and you could just feel it like 
the engine would be really quiet and I would just be careful in the extreme heat. Like uh, there were two times that I was coming back down from Death Valley in the summertime. And we actually chose not to go into Death Valley because it was already like very quiet. And we just thought it's it's not gonna make it. Um, probably the worst, there were two incidences both happening in LA that wasn't so much a breakdown as a person doing so. But one time I came out to a police report on my windshield and basically somebody had called into the cops that somebody was smashing cars in a row down the down the line and so somebody tried breaking in and just you know destroyed my side view mirror but actually didn't break any windows and but he was doing it to every car on the street so it wasn't like particularly mine and then one other time I got my catalytic converter sawed off oh yeah, yeah. It's a very common thing <laughs> but it's was, so expensive to replace was that in Oregon by any chance this was in LA okay yeah. it's a big problem yeah. out here for sure so you had your van life adventure and then you decided to come off the road. Tell me a little bit about that decision and and why you made it. Yeah, so I I never really appreciated America before traveling in the West Coast, I would say, cuz I grew up on the East Coast and I didn't really love the Midwest, I would say. Um it was just too rainy for me and so I think my first like fall in love with LA or sorry, fall in love with America was being in the deserts of California. And I realized just how beautiful and diverse the landscapes are. And like, it's not that there aren't beautiful places in the East coast, but it is very developed. Um, And I always just felt so crowded and not free. And so I just felt so free in California. Mm. But I guess I always internationally traveled. And at some point I always knew, you know, originally my plan was to do two years at my job and then quit and then do traveling. Um, So it just helped that uh, I started the blog, which kind of uh, gave me, you know, some purpose. And uh, this was, okay, my next foray um, into, uh, you know, the next chapter. And so I uh, quit my job and I knew that, um, the van lifing was going to kind of come to an end. And I didn't know how incredibly sad I would be actually, because I had never, two years is the longest that I've ever lived in one place. I've always been a person to feel very stuck and want to leave a place. And I guess what the van kind of gave me was a place to live and a home and not contain me in any one given place. So I, the last month or so, I guess I, I really had like a lot of like farewell, like days, like afternoon spent just kind of chilling in the van and like appreciating everything that it had offered and provided for me. And uh, I went back to LA and I probably sold it within like one week or so. It was a wow. very, very stressful week, but I also didn't want to bleed money not working um, in a very expensive city. <laughs> yeah. So you sold the van and then left the country um, pretty soon after there? Pretty much, yeah. I visited home for a couple of months and also to start up the blog full time. And then um, I was on my way. I headed off to Indonesia and I've been in Southeast Asia for the last six months. Sweet. And what's the name of your blog? 
Nomadicated. Nomadicated. Okay. We'll make mm-hmm. sure to get all the, we'll link to that in the show notes so people can find out. And so tell us now a little bit about your blog and what your blog is about. Yeah. So I do have some van life stuff on there just because I started it when I was still van lifing. Um, I'm very sad that I didn't start it the year I started van lifing. I think I would have a lot more content that I would have remembered, but I usually do uh, very low budget um, adventure travels in very remote places all over the world. I started in America, so I have a bunch of resources in terms of I love adventures in the middle of nowhere. So if you're looking for that, you know, go and check check it out. That sounds great for sure. We'll definitely link to some of, um, some of your adventures and everything like that. So I know we're, we're this, we're talking about your van life and journey and whatnot, but do you want to just share a couple other adventures that you've had one or two, so people can get a sense of what kind of adventures you'd like to go on? Ooh, yeah, sure. So I, um, two months ago, I just came back from Nepal and I decided to actually learn how to kayak and raft. And I actually went on a 10 day rafting trip on the third largest or the third best river rafting uh, river in the world. Every day you just camp on the beaches, you wake up, you raft, and then you eat camp food. It it was amazing. Sounds wonderful. (laughs) Oh, I, one of my biggest bucket lists is to uh, hike the tallest mountain of every single continent. Wow. Um, Okay. I have Everest Base Camp down. That's what inspired me to do it. And then Kilimanjaro. So I'm still on my way to doing this. Um. And I also love Kung Fu. So at some point I stayed at a Kung Fu temple in China for about a month, literally doing Kung Fu five hours, five hours a day. Oh my God. That sounds incredible. I can't wait to dig in a little bit deeper into your blog and read some of your stories. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for sharing. Is there anything that I didn't bring up that you wanted to mention before we say goodbye? Um, I would just say like to anyone who's ever thinking about doing van life or in general wants to make the leap into any kind of travel, it is literally the best thing that I have done for myself. It's always scary the first time. Heck, it's even scarier the second time because you are so scared that you're not going to live up to the amazingness of the first time. But once you do, it's always just absolutely amazing. And no matter you know, 99% of the time, everything is great. And, you know, the, the bad things never over, overweigh how great all the amazing moments are. So. Yes. Yeah, thank you. A little bit of inspiration. I love that. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, for all right. Me. Yeah. Thank you, Catherine. I really want to thank my guest, Catherine, for coming on and sharing her story with us this week. Here are my key takeaways. Number one, Catherine built her entire van out by herself using YouTube as a guide. If she can do it, you can too. Number two though, don't be afraid to ask for help from friends when doing something that you've never done before like building out a van. Number three, 
Living full-time in a van, you need to take breaks from time to time. Catherine did so by renting out Airbnbs and gathering other digital nomad friends with her. Taking a break every few months is not a failure, it's just part of the lifestyle. Number four, couch surfing can be a great option if you don't have a lot of money and need a place to stay for a little while off the road. And number five, you can use living in a van to pursue a passion or hobby. Catherine traveled from place to place to go snowboarding, and she even learned how to kayak while on her travels. Catherine did eventually come off the road and sell her camper van, and she shared with us an article that she wrote about how to sell a camper van fast. So the links to that will be in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Solo Women RV podcast. Please join our email list over at solowomenrv.com to stay up to date on all things solo travel related. And if you like what you heard today, please consider becoming a podcast sponsor. Details can be found over at anchor.fm slash Kathy hyphen Belge. And if you know someone who would benefit from what we talked about today, please share this episode with them or leave us a review over on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really helps and makes it easier for others to find us. The Solo Women RV podcast theme music is Field Station by Nicole Potolsky. And until next week, we'll see you out there on the road.